A lot has changed during 2020, but one thing that hasn't is the stories you'll hear on the OUAZ Athletics Podcast. Tune in to each episode to hear the amazing tales of the spirit athletes, coaches, and staff as each guest tells their unique story that led them to OUAZ and how they have become successful in their time at the university. You can hear all of these great anecdotes on your favorite podcast platforms. The OUAZ Athletics Podcast is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and the official athletics website at OUAZSpirit.com slash podcasts. Make sure to like, rate, and subscribe so you never miss the latest episode of the OUAZ Athletics Podcast. Welcome in OUAZ fans, my name is Seth Askelson and thank you for joining me for yet another edition of the OUAZ Athletics Podcast. My guest today, an accomplished softball player who's seen the program and the school itself or really from the bottom up, uh, Kelly Stumper. Kelly, how are you today? Good, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, it's just uh, another day in quarantine paradise, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. all trying to find a way to survive until January, conference schedules are being release left and right for different sports. Uh, I know your team has a little bit of a, a better idea of what your conference schedule looks like, but March, especially in these times, feels like two years away rather than just three exactly. months. Exactly. So Yes, most definitely does. Long way away, but seems so close at the same time. It sure does. And I know we're feeling it in the athletics department and we look at the calendar and we're like, ah, there's a game in a week and <laughs> something we haven't really experienced in really nearly a year. Um, but I know we're excited to get going. And for you, I mean, it's been kind of a long time. I know you made the decision to come back, obviously the NAIA giving years back, especially to those sports like softball, like baseball, where you only got maybe a month into your season. Um, for you, what was what was that decision like? I know for a lot of players, um, I had talked with uh, Bailey Coronado, the former pitcher, when we were doing a different story in the summer and, and she said, you know, her decision, she didn't know, you know, did I want to come back and play? Did I want to get my life started? Um, and, and she chose the route just to, to get to back and in, into work. Um, but for you, what was that decision like? And, and when did you finally know that, okay, I, I want to come back and, and play for one more year? Well, for me, it was honestly kind of a easy decision. It did take me some time and thought processes, um, checking with family and all that. But it was kind of an easy decision. Um, Being a transfer student, sometimes credits don't match up. And when it comes down to the line, you're maybe a couple short, um, ready for your intended graduation year. So being able to come back with those years was an awesome way to finish out my undergraduate and get me set up for graduate programs and get my life going along that line. I also suffering the injury um, to my knee in the late December, right before the season last year. Um, kind of limited me on the things that I was able to do once season did start. So not really getting to see a full year's worth of play for me. I only played about five to seven games the entire year. So that's kind of a hard senior season to uh, swallow with COVID happening as well. So it was a great opportunity to come back and really get to finish out the way I intended to finish my senior year. Yeah. And in your senior year, I mean, not only did that injury kind of limit you in terms of the amount of games you play, but just uh, a lot of hitting for you, a lot of DHing, a lot of pinch hitting as well. So I'm sure you would have liked to see yourself out in the field, especially in the outfield where you've played some pretty decent defense throughout your career in an OUAZ uniform. So 
Um, I know a lot of us, especially around the department, are glad to have you back. Not only are you a great softball player, but uh, really contribute to your time in the athletics department as well on, on game days. So, and I'm sure uh, your teammates weren't the only ones happy to have you back. And I, I know I can, I can say that uh, from our side of the department, but I mean, this is a school that, you know, from the ground up, you've really been here. Um, you know, you made a, a journey, kind of a, a wild journey throughout uh, college softball, um, started at Fresno State, ended up at, at Chandler Gilbert Community College. Um, first, let's talk about kind of how college softball started for you. I mean, going to a D1, that was probably big. I know the dream of a lot of athletes, regardless of sport, uh, when it gets to the college level. What was that recruiting process like? And, and when did you make that decision to, to head up to Fresno State and, and start your career as a D1 athlete? So my start to college softball ended up being extremely rocky for me. Um, like I mentioned with my knee injury that happened last December, um, it's kind of been a plaguing injury for me for many years. Um, I actually ended up tearing my ACL the October of my senior year of high school, which for anybody that is in the recruiting process that the spring sport athlete, those are really pivotal times because um, your national signing day is in November um, and to tear an ACL right before that, it kind of destroyed any hopes of going and playing on in the next level. I lost a scholarship um, offer to the University of Nevada, Reno, um, where I had birdly just talked to coaches and was really excited to head up there um, the following year. But after a knee injury, it's kind of hard to want to take in a catcher that's had a couple knee injuries and is now needing a third surgery on a knee. Um, so I completely understood the process um, with help with a lot of friends and family that I actually have up in the Fresno area, um, got in contact with uh, Trisha Ford and Carly Wynn, the um, head coach and assistant coach that are there. Um, well, I can say formally were there um, and just trying to get me up there to talk about things, see what my future could look like up there. But sadly, again, when you try to push a knee injury, it kind of pushes back and follows another knee injury and another surgery. So that kind of route took me back to Chandler Gilbert where um, unsigned and didn't really have much plans for college after being shut down for almost a year and a half now, not playing the sport I love. Um, but um, got to me a very awesome head coach, um, Bree Norris, who is still there right now. Um, she took me in, got me straightened out with grades, life, knees, everything, and set me kind of on a good path to want to continue to play college softball. Because after that sophomore, original sophomore year, um, uh, two years after my graduation year, I was kind of ready to be done with softball together. It was just a plaguing path that always seemed to not have a light at the end of the tunnel. It was always more injury and just more heartache that I didn't want to experience anymore. And she really pushed me to at least experience and get out there and talk to the next level of coaches um, for a four-year university. And that's kind of how I fell into the arms of uh, Coach Witchman and Coach Tunnel here at Ottawa. Yeah, and you mentioned at, at Fresno State with Trisha Ford, uh, now the head coach at Arizona State. Um, he's built a, a pretty solid program, but you're able to come back and and kind of find your love for the game and, and maybe your love for college a little bit uh, at Chandler Gilbert Community College. What do you think it was that that coach, whether it be the coaching staff, your teammates, uh, maybe just people at the school in general, how did that really help you and, and cultivate into going from 
as you said, like, look, I'm done with this sport. It's heartbreak. Every time I try and come back, it just gets worse and worse too. You know, you really wanted to come back for your senior year this year. I mean, what do you think that change was? What kind of helped you cultivate um, maybe turning things around in terms of that nature? Um, I really do think that my Chandler Gilbert family, for anybody that is familiar with the um, Maricopa Community Colleges, um, Chandler Gilbert was absolutely nothing program when um, Bree Norris took over. Um, very losing season records, um, not a whole lot of support systems. It was kind of a laughing stock of the junior college softball world in Arizona. And when she came in and really made that promise to the girls that were there from the previous year and then her incoming freshmen of we're changing that, we're changing the culture, we're trying to do everything. Um, it really kind of hit a nerve for me um, of like, okay, I want to be a part of something that's a change. I want to be some of those people that really make a name for themselves at and when I did that and became um, an all region player my sophomore year, um, it kind of it created that drive in me again to be like, okay, I really do want to play at the next level. You decide to commit to a four year, you're committed there for a good amount of time. For me, it was only supposed to be two years. Now I'm heading into my midway through year three thank you to COVID-19. Um, but it really created that drive again to want to compete, want to be the best you can possibly be for your teammates, for your coaching staff and be a change in a place. And to be able to get to another school that was kind of building from the ground up here at Ottawa um, and hearing from coaching staff that was all about wanting to create change, create a new culture and really build up the sport again. Um, I wanted to be a part of it, wanted to be all in. So it really created a new drive for the sport that I hadn't experienced on that level until now. Chandler Gilbert Community College, I think not just softball, but their programs in general at the beginning um, really didn't have much in terms of winning, right? I mean, I remember when I worked at Glendale Community College, I think it was my first year, um, their volleyball team didn't win a game. Um, and they had uh, two coaches who I think had just graduated college elsewhere coaching the team. And, you know, I, I mean, they're trying their best. There's you know nothing against that coaching staff for that year for Chandler Gilbert Community College, but it just kind of speaks to where their program is now. I mean, with volleyball, they've gone to region tournaments. Softball is fantastic. Baseball is really good. Their coaches have always been uh, very helpful to me in my career. Um, so just a, a program in a school that's really turning it around athletically and for you to be Absolutely. a part of that. As you were saying, just, you know, you got to be a part of that, that change, that turnaround, that build from the ground up and got a chance to do that here at OUAZ. And obviously after Chandler Gilbert Community College, you only get two years there. I'm sure you would have liked to spend four or six or however many, but you only get the Absolutely. two. Um, and obviously you got to start looking for four-year universities. Um, what was the conversation like kind of regarding your journey back into the four-year university space? Obviously, Trisha Ford moves to ASU by that point. Do you have any conversations with her about going there? Are you getting any D1 offers who in the past maybe weren't interested because of the knee injuries saying, okay, you're back to top four. Maybe we want to bring her back in as a JUCO transfer. What what did that look like for you at the beginning once you started thinking four-year once again? Um, so basically when I entered the um, transfer portal of things, um, 
I was very late in the transfer game. I actually didn't decide that I was going to make that journey to a four year until about April of my sophomore year. So long past the um, national signing days, long past anybody that was going to be looking for another outfielder on the roster for that following fall. Um, I really just was looking for anybody that would take me in that was willing to uh, kind of see me as the person I am now, not for what I was in the past with my knee injuries. And I made the transition from being a full-time catcher, corner infielder to the outfield at Chandler Gilbert. So when it came that time, everybody knew me as a catcher. And I was like, I don't do that anymore with the knees and the issues that I had had. I really am not looking forward to wanting to ever do that again. I think for my life beyond softball, it was really a good uh, decision to make, but that really does affect um, what people see you as. It, um, so when I tried to reach out to some of the schools that I had um, already talked to when I was in high school as a catcher, everybody was basically, it was all no's straight across the board of, nope, we're not looking for an outfielder. We've had those recruited since they were freshmen, sophomores in high school. So which totally makes sense because um, the recruiting business is a game you're there, or I'm sorry, the recruiting game is a business. Um, you got to get the top picks when you can get them. And nobody's really looking for a washed up catcher that thinks they can play the outfield. Um, so there wasn't much talk to any D1s. It was really kind of looking for something a little more local as well. Um, being in California for the time that I was, I really recognized how much I missed being around family and the family atmosphere for me. I have a younger cousin that is just my world. Um, and I was didn't want to miss him growing up. So I really was like, I want to find something local. I didn't want to leave the state of Arizona. And that was kind of a hard aspect because there wasn't that many options for schools. You only have uh, Embry-Riddle, the aeronautical school up north. You have um, Benedictine University in downtown Mesa. And then you have OUAZ out in Surprise and then Arizona Christian in Phoenix. So I didn't know much about these schools. I didn't know about their culture or any of the programs, anything like that. So it was very interesting and a educational experience trying to get into the NAIA world of understanding things. Um, but it was a journey to say the least, took a look at a couple different schools out of state. And that's when I really realized when you're in three feet of snow in January, when you're supposed to be starting your softball season was not a place for me to be. Um, but that's just the whole process of coming and staying in Arizona was really big for me. I'm glad you and I have the same mindset about the snow. Uh, I don't know if there's any chance I could work um, as an SID in, in softball, say in the Big Ten or any of those Midwest conferences in the NII. Because, I mean, if when we step outside uh, for games in January and it's below 60, uh, I nearly called a game off right there. <laughs> so. Absolutely. I know when I went on um, a visit up to North Dakota for an NIA out there, um, stepping off the plane and seeing snow and just the temperature drop already, I was like, oh, I don't know if my knees were ready for that or if it was just a ch uh, pressure change and all that. But I was like, this is not a place for me to be. I love the sun, the heat, 60 degrees is kind of chilly for me. So I agree. Um, you know, if you go to a softball game in Arizona and you're not 
sweating and shaking the, the dirt out of your shoes at the end. I don't think you had enough fun. So exactly. Um, for you, you talked about making that transition at Chandler Gilbert Community College from catcher, corner infielder to the outfield. Um, first, when was the last time you caught a competitive softball game? Um, so that actually ended up being at Chandler Gilbert, um, with some issues in the lineup and roster and classes and all that moving around. It was kind of a last minute. Hey, I know you used to be good at this. Do you want to give it a whirl again? We kind of need somebody back there that has some experience. And so here we are in 2020, it's been almost three years since I've ever put on gear, um, which was a huge step because I hadn't put gear on since my fourth knee surgery um, the year previous to that. So it was, it was a crazy experience for sure. What was it like catching? Obviously you probably didn't know what was going to be your final game, right? You didn't know if maybe they were going to ask you to do it later at your, you know, obviously ended up being OUAZ, but later in your career, whatever it may be. But from what you remember of the last game or the last few games that you caught, was it different when you got back there? Did you fall back into the groove pretty easy? What was that like when, as you said, you had your fourth knee surgery, you hadn't caught since then. And then, you know, with kind of everything going on, they just handed you the gear and said, please help us. I mean, was it, was it easy to get back there? Or was there a little bit of a kind of an adjustment and, and kind of remembering, oh yeah, this is, this is what I need to do as a catcher. Um, so absolutely. So they always say this, um, it's like riding a bike, anything you do with muscle memory, you're going to fall right back into it. I think that's absolutely the biggest lie out there. Um, the first time I put that gear back on at the Chandler Gilbert game, I believe we were playing Phoenix college. Um, I could be mistaken, but I, I forgot what it was like to squat for two, three innings at a time at, at that. Um, and then catching a full game, I was basically bedridden for the week later of how sore I was. And it just, it reminded me how hard that I had worked to be where I was at. Um, playing the outfield, you really don't have to do that quite that rigorous of movements and be mentally as focused all the time as you do as a catcher where you're calling pitches, you're watching the game around you, you're making sure that all the other eight people on the field are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Um, so catching is definitely a mentally and physically exhausting position. And I will forever say catchers are a different breed of human. Um, and when I made that transition back to it for that one game, it shell shocked me almost to realize like, absolutely. Um, this wasn't the walk in the park that I remember it used to be. Um, cause if you go from catching a U trip tournament of four games, maybe five games in a weekend, if not maybe four or five games in a day, if you end up in that, um, elimination brackets and have to fight your way back out of things, um, it was muscle memory. It was the joy of being out there at those tournaments. And then to come back and do it in college, it was like, oh, I don't know if I can move that way anymore. Or I don't know if my body was quite ready for that yet. But it was, it was definitely an experience. I enjoyed every bit of it. It was a lot of laughs, a lot of giggles, a lot of, I don't do that anymore. And oh yeah, you do have to do that though. So it was fun altogether. I know everybody else around me probably got a good laugh out of me trying to block again and get out of a uh, blocking position back up to my feet to try to get a throw down going or throwing from my knees again. Cause the whole catching um, angles 
when you throw from your knees down to first, second, or third, it's a whole different momentum changer and all that in your body compared to the outfield where you have a much longer arm span that you have to open up to throw. Um, so I will say there was quite a few errors in that game, um, learning how to throw short distances um, with a little bit more uh, velocity behind your arm compared to getting the ball on a straight line for a farther distance, so. Well, I know in hockey, they always talk about goaltenders and um, they always say, you know, never give the goalie a hard time because if, you know, they're not there, you can't play a game. I'm sure that same rule applied to you in that game where she might not be on top of her game, but <laughs> can't give her too much of a hard time because she got back there. So I know Absolutely. your team appreciate it. And I'm sure, especially against a team like Phoenix College, who's really sat at the top of uh, junior college softball for decades now. Um winning national titles, I mean, as recently as a year or two ago, um, definitely a, a fire to get thrown into for your first game. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I standing up from this chair is going to hurt me after this interview. Um, <laughs> I couldn't imagine after four knee surgeries trying to get back up from a squat after, after the fifth inning. So I applaud you for that. And I think it is, to your point about the catchers being a different breed, when you look at even in the majors, right, a guy like uh, David Ross, who caught well into his 30s and, you know, retired with a world series ring, but it's just seeing those guys and, and, you know, especially somebody like yourself, who's been through the knee surgeries and been through it all and still be able to catch. I mean, is incredible. Why do you think catchers kind of go through what they do? I mean, do you have to kind of have a different mentality to enjoy that position? I mean, what is, what goes behind like being a catcher and, and doing it more than once and saying, Oh yeah, this is something I'd love to do for the end of time. Going back off of, because uh, like I said, I haven't been in gear for over three years, but going back off of things, um, I applaud catchers because they know absolutely everything that is going on from each position to the um, play calls, to the pitch calls, to recognizing batters motions, remembering the statistics of a batter of, hey, this girl, she likes to pull the ball really well, but she struggles with so-and-so pitch. Um, and remembering about that for every single batter and then also playing in your pitcher's strengths of do they have that pitch to throw? Do they have this? Making sure that, you know, every key aspect of the game was just I applaud catchers for that. Um, and it just it makes me laugh down the line now that I look back and being I have officially retired the gear. I will say that nobody can ever try to get me back into gear. That will not happen in any day in the future, near future, or ever. Even in slow pitch, I don't think I will ever do that. Um, but it, like I was saying, it does take a special breed of person to do that. They have to know what's going on, like I said, all the time. But also have to know the different plays. And all, I'm just rambling on at this point about everything they have to know but they are so intelligent and then still being able to have the physical and mental strength to keep yourself in the game every single time to be able to do that. So I do feel like it takes a completely different breed of human to be able to do that and play the game and still enjoy it too. Well, I can tell you in my about four games as a slow pitch softball catcher, I have gotten chopped down at the plate a couple of times. Um, so I, do not blame you for not even playing in slow pitch because those some of those people can be pretty ruthless. So 
Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a different breed. I think, like you said, not only is it the mentality to stand back there, I mean, you're taking, you're just hoping, you know, that the batter swings that day that they either hit into the field of play or, you know, they don't tip it right into your face. You know, you're, you're taking the abuse, mm-hmm. you're taking the brunt of the abuse back there. So. Absolutely. Um, I have to say probably the worst things ever for me are when you get the foul tips, those are, I think those are probably just, um, being behind the plate from what I do remember. Um, and I see it in our everyday practices here at Ottawa. If you foul tip it, those catchers, I applaud them for taking it like champs, but down the line, I'm like, dang, you look at them at weights when we have our shorts on and they have, these bruises the size of Texas on their legs. And it's like, I don't miss that. <laughs> yeah. I remember, um, you know, I work with uh, kids that play baseball at the city of Glendale. Um, and a lot of the catchers, uh, you know, like I said, I've never caught before in a, in a game, but the one thing I do know is they tell those catchers, you got to keep your throwing hand behind your back or you're going to get it. Absolutely. And sure enough, I remember a couple of years ago, a kid kept putting his hand in front of his glove and, but one time the ball got foul tipped and it nicked the kid right on the finger and he was he was pretty upset and I just kind of thought I said what did I tell you got to keep the hand behind the back and sure enough I don't think I saw that kid's hand in front of him for the rest of the year so <laughs> yes absolutely I know like our catchers that we have with um Cherish um Brianna Tucker and Michela they are beyond incredible athletes behind the plate and everything that they're understanding and taking their different aspects of the game different levels and bringing it to the field but also having that physical playing ability to sit back there and just take the abuse game after game after game it amazes me even in our batting practices and um, just our practices in general of I'm going to say I don't have the greatest throws sometimes coming in from the plate when it's at 6 a.m in the morning um and they just take it and move on to the next. And I applaud them every day for that. Well, I'm sure those throws at 6 a.m. that uh, might be a touch off target, get them woken up uh, a little <laughs> bit. So really. Uh, I try not to. I try not to. But yes. That's their version of the morning imagine. coffee, right? Got to get the legs moving a little bit, get you stretched out a little bit. Actually, I'm sure they don't appreciate it, but it gets them moving in the long run. So, um, but that transition to the outfield, I mean, as much as, as you were talking about, like a lot of schools recruit those outfielders, you know, freshman, sophomore year of high school. And, you know, the outfield is maybe seen as where you can, you know, stick a good hitter with suspect defense or things of that nature. But playing the outfield is hard. I don't care anybody says. Playing the outfield is hard. Uh, for you, when you transition to the outfield, I mean, you played, as you said, catcher, corner infielder. So you're playing kind of everywhere. Um, what was that transition like to the outfield for you? What were some of the things that maybe took a few games or a few practices to catch on to and, and how fast were you able to adapt to the outfielder life? Um, well, honestly, for me, it was a other thing, like I said, another shell shock because the only time that I, before I got the Chilling Gilbert that I had ever touched the outfield, had done anything in the outfield was at a joke in a club ball tournament of you're up by so much or you're losing by so much. And Hey, let's go stick the catcher. That's never touched the grass in the outfield and see what they can do. And so it was always kind of just this lackadaisical idea to the outfield, but in all reality, they are your last line of defense for anything. And if anything gets past the outfield, it's all chaos has broke loose. Um, There's going to be a lot of runs scored or something's going wrong. 
Um, so it was, it probably took me a good year um, at Chandler Gilbert to get fully adjusted and understand at least the basics of what is going on out there more than just catch the fly ball, field the ground ball and get it into your infield. Um, the biggest thing for me that was, that took the longest time to adapt to was taking your angles and reading the ball and reading your batters as a corner infielder from before you always get to kind of read your batters a little bit to see hey they have a little bit of an open stance or they're a little bit closed off they have really good quick hands so they're going to get to that inside pitch a little bit more hey I should maybe cheat up towards the line a little bit things like that but when it came to the outfield you have to be precise on every single angle that you take not only to the ball but um, when you're coming back in to make the throw in, because if you give it any extra arc, that's another couple steps for the base runners coming in um, or going around the bases. I apologize. Um, so that was probably the biggest thing for me is learning how to make that adjustment to not just getting to the ball, but coming around the ball and making sure that there is the absolute perfect angles and you're using the amount of time that you have wisely, basically. Um, so that spring of my freshman, my full freshman year after coming back from California was really when I started um, getting into the outfield and practicing. And it was more just a, hey, you're going to go shag for our BP because we, we can't have you actually hitting yet. Like I wasn't quite cleared from the doctors yet to go into full motions and stuff like that. Um, so I was doing um, a lot of shagging in the outfield. But then it came down to it when it was like, hey, you're going to have a couple sophomore catchers um, coming in and they're really good. They're going to take your spot if you can't fix yourself up right and do the things that you need to do. And then you have a couple sophomore middle inf or I'm sorry, sophomore, sophomore corner infielders that are very well going on to a four year university as well that are in front of you and have been healthy and can do these things. So where do you find a position for yourself to play? The outfield was wide open at the time at Chandler Gilbert. So it was, I'm finding a spot and I'm going to take it and kind of just took it with a grain of sand and went forward with things. But it turned out to be a life-changing experience because it helped me so much with um, my knees and being able to get healthy again because you're not putting that strain um, that catching was putting on. You make a really good point about the outfield being extremely important. I mean, the Nationals 2019 World Series run was sparked by a right field or an error in right field in the wild card game where they were down. It looked like they were out. It brought a couple runs home and they win the wild card game and obviously go on to win the World Series. So it, it really just shows that one bad bounce in the outfield can cost you a World Series run, you know, in the case of the Brewers. So. Um, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I just talk about like the do or dies, the ground ball, stuff like that. Like you even look back to this year's crazy 2020 World Series um, with the Dodgers and the Rays and just a tiny air in the outfield can cause so much momentum change for a team of all of a sudden you're down by a couple runs and all of a sudden you're coming back to win the game to push to a game seven. And it's it's an insane experience because you have that power to change things. Cause on the other hand, if you throw a girl at the plate in my instance, that's a whole different ball game. Now you're coming off your pitchers, 
you're getting your pitchers off the field. They aren't throwing as many pitches. They're not, the other team's not seeing them throw as many pitches and you're getting your guys' self back up onto offense to be able to push some more runs for you and your team. So it's, it's momentum changer, no matter which way you go about it. I, I think this world series really showed how valuable a great outfielder can be. I mean, everybody knew how good Mookie Betts was, but I mean, how many runs did he save, you know, throughout the entire postseason, let alone the world Absolutely. series. So uh, incredible. And to your mindset at Chandler Gilbert, where, you know, the positions that you're really good at and that you played a lot at are filled by healthy players who might be moving on where you're still trying to get yourself back to full strength. You get to the outfield, you grab that spot. When did you realize, you know, whether it be in practice or, or through, through the first few games, I'm sure the coaching staff at Chandler Gilbert kind of, you know, wanted to see what they had in the outfield in game situations. When did you finally realize that, okay, this is a place that I can be comfortable in and I can really make a stand and, and continue my softball career in the outfield? Um, that pivotal moment for me was playing against Arizona Central College. Um, it was our opening game of the year um, down in uh, Florence, Casa Grande area. Um, and I remember it to this time, another very, very good softball program in the Maricopa um, junior, uh, junior College softball world at um, Central Arizona. And I you never know what plays you can make until you make those plays is a lesson that I'm forever going to live by because there was a, we were down by, I believe two runs going into the fourth inning um, of our first game of our double header. And which was a, a compliment accomplishment already for Chandler Gilbert to even try to compete and stay up with a team such as central Arizona. Um, and two runners on two outs and it's a line shot in the gap and some feeling that I had, I dove out for the ball and actually ended up making the diving full extended catch in right center field. And it was like, Holy cow. I really just didn't make that catch the first game of the year in the like first everything of the year. And it was like, okay, you can do this. You're not just out here faking it till you make it you really can do this. You do have the ability to play and do this. Although I will say the dive was because I took an absolute horrible angle at the ball, but that was still to come. You still learn those things every day. I'm still learning different routes and different things that I can take in the outfield now as a super senior and learning from the other people around me. But that moment right there really solidified some things for me of saying, okay, you really can do this, Kelly. Um, and coming up and with another momentum changer of taking a ball out of the gap with easily could have been stand up triple on the size of Arizona central's field um, and kind of changing things around for us. And then I remember we ended up, it was such a hype moment in the game that everybody comes up and we're just batting around, batting around, batting around. And we ended up winning that first game of our, of my sophomore year of college against a D one school um, in the Juco um, world, which we should have never have had any chance at winning. Um, nobody expected us to even be close to them to come back and win, which it was just, it was one of those game changer moments and a life change for me that was like, okay, you, you can do this. Yeah. And the Arizona community college athletic conference, especially in softball is a great way to 
kind of jumpstart your career and, and get your confidence up. Like you said, uh, Arizona Central at the NJCA D1 level, an incredible program. Phoenix College dominated the D2. Chandler Gilbert's made that jump. Um, Glendale Community College has really turned their program around as well. So, you know, you're not going out there against kind of leftovers from high school. You're playing a lot of players who maybe didn't get that initial look at, you know, NCA D1 or like for you, you know, May, you went to a D1 and it just didn't work out and you're coming back and looking to make your next step. So um, not only a, a good way to boost your confidence, but again, some top competition. And uh, really for a program, as you had talked about earlier, looking to build that base and make the turnaround. And who knows, maybe your catch was was the turnaround for Chandler Gilbert Community College softball. At least you could lay claim to that if you'd like. <laughs> yes, it that whole year just felt like such a dream because once you know that you have the ability to make that catch once, you start to kind of play with things a little bit and see, well, can I maybe dive out for this one and see if I can make that play? And then it kind of became a joke, a running joke on our team of that year, and especially in the outfield um, with our uh, our assistant coach who directed outfielders, um, Becky Strauss she was like, okay, don't dive unless you really know that you can get there. Cause there'd be times where now you're playing with things a little bit and you're just diving for everything that you don't think you have a shot at. And more than often than not, you're coming up with the play or at least knocking it down in the gap to make um, the runner stay at either first for a very long single or knocking it down enough to get it back into second. It's only a double instead of a triple in the gap. Um, especially at home at Chandler Gilbert, where we had a very large stadium and a very large outfield. And quite frankly, if the ball got to the fence, it was a stand-up triple, if not in the park, depending on the batter's speed because of the size of the park. Um, so it was, it was just that running joke um, for quite a while of just, hey, don't dive for absolute everything unless you really do know you have that shot at it. Yeah, around the conference, I think both baseball and softball, there's plenty of fields where you, know, you could do a NASA space launch from the outfield is it's pretty cavernous. So as you said, Absolutely. very important. So um, obviously you're having a, a dream year at, at Chandler Gilbert community college, your sophomore year, you know, you got to make that next jump, but when you came and visited OUAC, obviously a, a program that's building from the ground up, didn't have a lot outside of, you know, one building in front of city hall. I remember, you know, you talk to coaches and they say that some recruits walked up and said, coach, where's the school? <laughs> because they didn't even recognize the building in front of them. What were your first impressions of OUAZ? And obviously I'm sure you got the spiel of this is what's to come and the weight room and the facilities and the union for stuff, you know, outside of athletics. What were your first impressions and, and how much did you truly believe in what was being pitched to you on your visit? Um, for me, and I feel like for any student athlete that's ever come and visited, um, OUAZ has gone up to the parking garage in the corner, um, as some people call it, Eichner's Point, or whatever they want to call it. Um, I believe every student athlete at some point has gone up there, and coaching staff that is taking them on these tours is presenting um, what is going to be built for the school and it was really cool for me to see there's these plots of because when I went on my first visit it was the football field there was no stadium yet it was just the field the turf um a couple of um portable classrooms for our athletic training room and that was it other than that it was just dirt lots and 
really nothing going on other than some scaffolding that um, was a press box at the time for the football stadium. Um, so to be able to stand up there and hear the envisions of what is going to happen at this program and what's going to happen at this school, part of you really wants to buy into it and absolutely believe everything's going to happen. But you have to also think about it logically and think of how long is that going to take and things like that. But when I talked to um, the uh, former head coach, Lee Dobbins, and now the active head coach, uh, Justine Wichman, who was on the visit with me, um, just the power and how much they really talked about what was going to change here and how they're going to make the changes to these programs um, was really, really big for me. And then just the home type of feeling, because it is only about an hour away from home for me, um, coming from the East Valley. Um, it felt like family right off the bat. There was no awkwardness. I got a hug from both coaches. Um, I actually took my um, first recruitment tour of the school with um, the other five seniors from, or I apologize, the other five sophomores from Chandler Gilbert Community College. Um, we went as a team to kind of just look over things and talk about the money, the academics, what was going to happen at the school and all that. And for me, it kind of just made a fit from other people. It wasn't quite what they were looking for in the next four years. And, but for me wanting to stay in Arizona and be close to home, um, it kind of was a good fit right off the bat, but I wanted to do something different than everybody else that either transferred on from Chandler Gilbert and went to Benedictine university or Arizona Christian, um, those other schools in the area, I wanted to get a branch out just a little bit <laughs> next year, maybe 25 minutes or so and got myself to an area um, that I really enjoyed things at. Yeah, you got to blaze your own path. That's what you've been doing through your entire college career and blaze your own way right over to OUAZ. And I know all the coaching staff is probably glad you did. I mean, you've kind of turned your career renaissance into the next level here at OUAZ. And when you got here, I mean, you know, obviously we see everything that's built, the, the locker rooms, the weight rooms, things for the athletes and, and for the students. Um, what was the feel like when you and your team got to walk into those facilities for the first time? I mean, obviously you got a chance to like work the basketball games and stuff and, and things of that nature, but whether it be the weight room or the training room, as you said, the training room was two mobile trailers when you first got here. And now there's, you know, I've walked in there and I'm amazed. I mean, just multiple training tables, as far as the eye can see, uh, a lot of good equipment. Um, what was that like when you and your team and, and really those, I guess, promises that were made, right? Like, hey, these buildings are going to be here. These facilities are going to be available. These amenities are here to help you eventually. What was that like that everything that was told to you that was going to be there eventually did show up? Um, for me, it was honestly such a great experience because like I said, going from a place where we had one building, your cafeteria, your classroom, were four feet apart into the little um, cafe that we had, your training room was 30 yards across the parking lot into a mobile trailer to you're walking into these prestigious facilities at um, Faith Arena. Um, and we now have this beautiful three-story building that has this amazing press boxes that back up to um, the stadium seating at um, the field um, for the football stadium. 
Um, you see these impressive student dorms that are coming that are now allowing people to not have to quite live at the cottages or live at home or the infamous um, days in that quite a few student athletes lived in those first couple years. Um, and living in a hotel compared to actually being on your own campus and being around other people that are like you, because I know for plenty of people, um, living at that day's in was not a great place to be. Um, I had plenty of teammates that lived there because that was one of the very few styles of dormitory living at the time. Um, and then also like the cafe, getting this huge, beautiful cafe where now we're able to just sit and work on homework and do all these beautiful things um, along with the patio area and the student union upstairs, which is great classrooms that we use for our study hall hours, make sure that we're getting our good grades in. Um, just to seeing the school build up, it made me understand the reason why I came here. And like I said, I'm trying to trailblaze my own journey in life of things and now seeing those promises come true was really a cool aspect although we don't have our quite stadium yet for softball um hearing that it's in the works and seeing how fast that they put that first phase in of the school of getting the dorms the student union and getting things for people to be comfortable on campus um it it really makes me have high hopes for when the next phase of the softball stadium is gonna get started um here in who knows the next couple of years of um, everything that's happening around that area and surprise. Yeah, I know the, the softball program is definitely at uh, a top priority coming up um, in terms of adding those facilities. And um, for you, I mean, when you talk about the days in living, I mean, really a, a sweet life of Zach and Cody vibe going <laughs> on <laughs> with the dormitory living, uh, the sweet life of OUAZ though, as you mentioned, maybe so many students didn't find it um, as sweet as uh, once one time Disney Channel sh show made it out to be. Um, but uh, for you, I mean, it's it's been a, a sweet life um, at OUAZ. I mean, a, a chance to kind of further not only your career, but further your education. Um, I know talking to you prior to the interview, you know, applying for a few grad schools. I mean, just looking to advance and when you talk about softball, it's there are professional leagues out there, but it's maybe not at the level of, say, like a WNBA or an NWSL, where a lot of people know about it. There's a, a really good, clear path to those leagues. Um, for you, what what is next in your life? I mean, obviously, you're looking for grad school. Do you want to try and play professionally? Um, do you want to just jump into school and, and see where your career takes you? What What are those next steps for you? Um, for me, I am really just looking for that next step in life. Um, after this next season um, in 2021 with OUAZ, I will be hanging up the cleats, um, maybe switching to some slow pitch leagues um, if it happens. But um, I'm really looking into doing my graduate studies at OUAZ um, in the EDS school psychology programs. Um, and just trying to get started on my career in education and just trying to get on the forefront of everything that's happening here in Arizona and try to help students um, maybe create their dreams of college athletics someday too. But really just trying to get out there and start in the things that I've kind of postponed a little bit to continue this career of softball that I've always dreamt for. Um, but really put myself out there to start this graduate program and get going. 
Now, when you hang up the cleats in, in 2021, what are the things that you're going to look back on in terms of your softball career? I mean, again, we've just been over your journey, D1 program, back to community college, four-year again, making transition between pitches and the injuries and the surgeries. And um, when you look back on it, when you finally, you know, play that last game, what what do you think you're going to remember the most? What do you think like, your legacy is going to be in terms of softball? Like when you look back, say five, 10 years from now, how are you going to look back on your softball career? Um, I think for me and what I've heard from plenty of other girls that have um, graduated before me, um, I don't think you quite look back and remember the stats or specific games for what you did in that game but the friendships and the memories that you have created with those friends. Um, like I look back on it now already from club ball and I reminisce with some of the girls that I play club ball with that are in their own lives or married or doing everything on their own now. Um, and how much fun we would have on those 14 hour road trips to games or hotel shenanigans down at the pool and stuff like that. And I look back and I've created memories like that with so many people here at OUAZ and at Chandler Gilbert um, that I have these friends for a lifetime. And I know that they're never going to leave my side because of the memories and the times that we went through thick and thin together and all the trials and everything that we had to experience to get where we're at at OUAZ. Because I think about it and starting from the ground up, like you said, um, with plenty of other girls and seeing the struggles and just how people never really thought something of us, but now we're starting to create a culture and a program for ourselves um, in the NAIA softball world. Um, Cause I know there's plenty of times people would have no idea who OUAZ was. It would be who's OAS softball. And now people actually knowing who we are um, and creating those memories with those girls and just having lifelong friends. So I think that's gonna be how I look back on it. Um, I know for a lot of things, people see me as kind of the class clown, um, injury prone person. Um, I just, I know one memory that I'm forever gonna look back on that I think a lot of people will remember me for is falling, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times in one game, um, going around the bases in the dugout at home plate, and then in the outfield as well at um, Hope International down in uh, Southern California. And it was, it, I will say it kind of hurt the ego a little bit at the time, but now I look back on it and it's like, what were you doing, Kelly, that you were so uncoordinated that I couldn't even make it around first base, something that I've been doing my entire life, basically. Um, but I know those are great memories that my teammates and I will forever have because just doing silly, silly, silly things that normal people will not do, but somehow uncoordinated me has done them. Sometimes when you're not uh, in the groove at game time, that first base can look a little bit bigger than it really is. So absolutely. Oh. Or when you're rounding first base and um, you don't actually touch the bag and then you have to go back and then try to tag it and then fall and crawl halfway to second base. That That's the ones that really make it hard. <laughs> well, hey, look, we saw if it happens in the World Series where you trip around third base and you stumble and bumble your way for the walk-off win, it can happen at any level. So hopefully, <laughs> uh, 
didn't make you feel too bad. And um, Kelly, I really appreciate the time you took today um, to go over your journey and, and just how, how hard you've battled to get to this point. Uh, are there any final thoughts, any final words you want to leave, whether it be with your family, your friends, your teammates, um, whoever it may be, uh, just any final thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I just, well, first off, thank you, Seth, for having me on here. This was an honor to be able to come on and talk and listen to my rambling about my washed up softball career now. But um, no, I just, my teammates that I have played with over the years that have helped me grow um, so strong physically and mentally by pushing me to be a better person each and every day and seeing their amazing careers take off and then play at D1 universities has really driven me to continue my playing career of, yes, I didn't quite make it to where I thought I was going to be as a little 12 year old playing club ball um, or sitting in the stands at ASU and watching these girls play. But I did get to a stage and I got to a level that helped me grow into a better person and into the woman that I am today. And I just, I want to thank all the players, coaches that I've had in the past and then the amazing friends and family that the OUAZ staff and um, faculty has all become to me in these last two and a half years at Ottawa. Um, I know I can reach out and talk to anybody. So I just, I really appreciate all of that and so thankful for them and my family that's always been by my side, always questioned me a little bit. Of, Is this really the right path? But always supported me no matter what of continuing to try to play softball throughout these last few years of my career. Well, you've made your own path and uh, through all the questions and the doubts, we're glad you made it here to OUAZ and, and we're looking to see where that path heads after you head out from Surprise. So Kelly, thank you so much again. And uh, we're definitely looking forward to the uh, 2021 season and whatever's next for you. So thanks again. And hopefully we're talking again soon.